34 of the Stolen Signs podcast. I am Kendall Gilmet, alongside Harry Pavlidis, baseball prospectus. Hello, Harry. Hello, Kendall. We are projecting today. Yeah, we're not in the like uh, not the normal psychological way that we do. Yeah. It's a different type of projection this time. Uh, we'll be talking with Dan Zimborski of the Zips projection system, Jared Cross of Steamer. Derek Cardi of the Bat and um, and Harry of Pakoda. Uh, so we'll we'll talk about projection systems and we're going to cover a whole range of topics about um, how projection systems are made and different considerations and improvements and ways that ways that this projection sausage is made and uh, it's a very interesting conversation. You can follow us on Twitter at Stolen underscore Signs. Rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And uh, share it with a friend. We mentioned this at the tail end, but uh, Pakoda is out. If you're not a premium member already, go sign up for a premium membership and get all the Pakoda uh, spreadsheet and all the Pakoda information that you want um, if you are a premium subscriber. So... Definitely had the baseball prospectus and hit that up. So we'll be right back with Dan and Jared and Derek and Harry and Kendall, the whole crew. Stick around. All right, everyone. Today we have uh, some projection systems and the people behind them uh, we have with us. Derek Cardi, uh, who produces The Bat, Dan Zimborski, who does the Zips projections, Jared Cross, who's behind the Steamer projections, and then Harry, who oversees the Prakota projections at Baseball Prospectus. So thanks, everybody, for being here. And um, maybe we can start uh, with you, Derek, if you can just tell us about The Bat and you know, what the kind of the genesis of that projection system. Yeah, so not starting too general. Um, yeah, that is uh, obviously a sabermetric projection system. Initially, it was uh, designed for for DFS purposes, for DraftKings and FanDuel. You know, taking into account all the the different factors that Im- that impact the game on a day to day basis. Things that over the course of a season maybe don't matter as much, but in a single day matter a lot. You know, weather, umpires, the exact defensive alignment, um, all that kind of stuff. And then last year, you know, I reached out to Fangraphs and I was like, everyone keeps asking me about making a season-long version of this. It's really easy for me to set up because the system's already here. Uh, would you guys want to host it? And they were, they were thrilled to do it. And it's been uh, really well-received. So I've been, you know, very happy with it. Awesome. And Jared, can you um, kind of give a, a high level on Steamer and where that came from and kind of what you're, what you're trying to do with it? Yeah, uh, it was started as a high school math project. Um, Ash Davidson and Peter Rosenblum, when they were sophomores in high school, uh, in my chemistry class, actually, uh, came to me and said they wanted to do an indie math project on fantasy baseball. Um, and sort of, you know, we, we talked baseball strategy, you know, fantasy baseball strategy for a little bit, and then sort of settled on making our own projections. Uh, this was back in fall 2007, I guess. Uh, and at first, we just started making predictions that were uh, really genuinely, really terrible. 
but they kind of stuck with it for a while. And even when they left to go to college, stuck with it and kept making them and uh, improving on it and tweaking it. Um, and going from there, and it's just sort of evolved over the years. Awesome. And then, Dan, can you outline kind of Zips and where that came from and, and kind of how it got started? Sure, uh, if you guys can hear me now. Uh, in, yep. in, in, in the uh, late 90s, uh, a friend of mine named Chris Dial, uh, this was when there was only not a lot of projection systems out there. Uh, uh, I forget if, if Baseball Perspectives was using Wilton or Vlad at that point. Uh, but Chris and I were talking and we said, you know, we could make a very basic projection system that got us like 90% of the way there. It's kind of the concept that Tango Tiger later did for Marcel. Uh, well, we never actually did that. Uh, and when we're talking about around 2002, 2003, I was blogging. I kind of wanted to revisit the idea of develop, developing a projection system. Uh, I had done a lot of work uh, with some of the uh, batting average on balls and play data uh, that Vorish McCracken had uh, had worked with, uh, and I, I kind of wanted to do a projection system that kind of took some of the newer things that were out there and and try to make something that you know didn't suck too badly. Uh, it the 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 uh, the idea of making a simple projection system obviously fell by the wayside fairly quickly. Uh, so it's it's been an evolving process now for I guess sixteen seventeen years. Yeah, um, and then we have Pakoda. Um, also, also long in the tooth. Also long in the tooth. Yeah, um, Harry. <laughs> I, I think, but I think it was. I'm not sure the t- t- timeline, but I don't think Pakoda proper came. It was the first one was the, in the 2003 book. So I think 99 might have still been Vladimir, but it, the predecessors to Pakoda were like from Gary Huckabee and and uh, Clay Davenport. His translations. Uh, which are still around today. You can find them on Clay's website. Uh, and yeah, so Gary Huckabee, I think, was the Vladimir creator, if I'm not mistaken. And so we've been, I've been involved in it since, I guess, you know, the last five, six years, however long I've been at BP. But two main people working on it day to day are Rob McEwen and Jonathan Judge. But it does go back to the, you know, there's not much left of the original Nate Silver work, but I think most of the concepts and constructs that he created are at least in theory, you know, kind of still guiding how it's put together. Yeah. And so we also wanted to, to dive into a little bit of um, the, like, what are the inputs? So what are the different ranges of the performances um, that are taken into effect and taken into account um, as we are looking and, and coming up with these projections? Like, what are some of the things that um, that go into you know each one of your systems, and you know how are they weighted and those types of things? Um, anybody can just jump in. Anywhere from three to five years of information. It depends on the thing. Uh, we don't start projecting anybody until after they get past rookie ball, I think. And if we do, they're not very great not expected to be great. So really we, we kind of look at, you know, m- mostly the last three years recently, we've gotten more recent, more focused on recent years. Pakoda has been historically very slow to change and pick up on changes in performance. But in some of the changes we've made upstream with the metrics that we put into it, like DRC and DRA, since those are kind of the inputs, it's 
becoming a little bit more aggressive. We're yet to see if that really works that well. Uh, we'll see this year, <laughs> but in the base, I'm looking at just looking at past data, kind of retrojecting things. It's, it's performed. It's done well. Otherwise, you know, it wouldn't have been used. <laughs> uh, but how well? How well? We'll see because it's definitely you know a little different than it's been, and it's definitely you know we'll see if it comes back to bite us or if we learn anything new. But the main thing is, it's we're we're really only using affiliated professional baseball inputs, really, and from rookie and above. So for international players, there, there tends to be some fakery. Uh, and estimation. It's just that there's some work with figuring out what this would be to guide it, but we don't use anything outside of affiliated currently to produce these things. But Derek, I suspect change. Yeah, Derek, I have a, um, so for for the bat, um, because that started as a, a DFS tool uh, primarily, what were the input, how, or maybe how have the inputs changed as you move to a more season looking? projection system, uh, has anything changed with it or, or are the guts kind of the same? The guts are kind of the same. And I think it's one of the things that, I don't know, it's kind of a feature of the bat where because it started as a DFS system and it accounted for the context of everything, everything gets backwards adjusted before it gets forward adjusted. So like it will look at every plate appearance that Mike Trout took this year. It will look at the picture of every plate appearance, the umpire of every plate appearance, the weather, the park, the defense, like everything for every plate appearance. And it will look at basically the general, you know, quality of what he's faced. Maybe he faced, you know, a really high level of pitchers and a really, you know, low level of ballparks or whatever. And it kind of adjusts his stats to kind of neutralize for that um, before projecting what he's going to do going forward. Um, and so those kind of served as the guts to begin with. And that's still kind of the guts right now. That's kind of what we do basically via DRC. Like we try to control so much of the context. So right. The, right. To us, that that's like the big change where it, it appears that we can make a more um, sensitive but equally reliable projection, which is pretty pretty wild. So I, I can see why you got such benefit out of doing that and why it works at the season level, and it gives me hope. <laughs> that using a similar kind of tracking of inputs because in the past it was probably nowhere near as contextualized i think um, context is huge i mean coming from dfs you know maybe i'm a little biased or skewed in that regard but i just kind of think context is is so important um especially because like like everyone who's on this makes awesome projections all projections are really great you know we're kind of fighting for you know little marginal gains at this point and i think context is kind of one of the ways that you know, I hope at least, you know, we can kind of get some of those those future gains. That leads me to kind of a, a question about more philosophy of um, thinking about as we're making these projections. Um, and like you say, Derek, we're kind of tuning them and, and making them, you know, more contextual or what what are like some of the decision making processes around um making a tweak or, you know, making an improvement as you think about, as you're trying to make improvements to your projection system, um, how do you go about that? Like, do you sit down after the year and kind of, um, like Harry was saying, like retroject? I don't know if you just made that word up or not, but, um, Oh, we made that word. It's a good word. It's a good word. It's a good word. It's a good word. But like, is, is that an, an evaluation technique that you use or, and then you say, okay, well now 
we want to get better in this area. But maybe can, if anybody has any, um, you know, recent experience about how how you look at that and how you think about that. Um, well, I, to, I always to like to have. I always like to have new sources, you know, of test data. It's it you're you're kind of limited by the, the by the number of games that they play in baseball every year, which is always I don't know if you can call it a problem, but it's you kind of would wish they'd have like you know like 500 leagues or something, make it a lot <laughs> lot simpler for this. You know, you wish there was some experimental data where you could put a player in a test tube and simulate their actual careers a million times. Obviously, we don't have that. Uh, random so- random assignment to <laughs> rosters. Yeah, so I mean, I'm always I'm always tinkering, but I always have a few uh, versions of Zips with for future years. So I'm never really using the exact most up to date thoughts that I have, simply because I I don't like just retrojecting. I like to have new data, new testing data in 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 the model. Uh, so there's always like a, a Zips that's now. There's like the Zips version I hope to deploy in a year or two, and then one where I'm you know, tinkering a lot. I'm an, I'm an inverter tinkerer. So anytime I see a new data source or I get my grubby hands on something interesting, then I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm whipping out all the, you know, the, the component analysis and trying to figure out what is actually predictive about this data. Uh, so it's, it's a, it's, it's a definite work in progress and it probably could be a little more organized at times. What's the scope of your, of your data? You know, we're, we're just, like I said, we're just kind of, Pro yeah, yeah. When when I first started, of course, uh, it was very basic data. Uh, it was essentially, you know, I mean, obviously the player's playing record is still a pretty good source of indicator. It's a pretty good indicator of the future. It's it's the low hanging fruit, so to speak. Uh, like the others, I zips is kind of four years is kind of the magic uh, amount of time that zips gets. It's it's fewer years for very young players. I found that that. Uh, the the changes in kind of the baseline for young players changes so quickly that that the old data was was not actually providing too much value for me, uh, even if ideally you'd like to have it. Uh, but over time, more data has been introduced: velocity data, uh, play discipline data, play by play data. Uh, I've I've become very good at at mining minor league data, and I have some interesting things there that I work with to do translations. Uh, because, you know, trying to f- get the defense for minor leagues, that always bedevils me. I'm always trying to figure out a better way to do that. Uh, I, I've done a few approaches, which I think are a little weird. I've uh, worked, I've actually developed a scouting report parser to find key phrases and how they've related to future performance. Uh, that's that's the kind of a work in progress that is only very lightly uh, used. Uh, but it's, it's, it's just about seeing what I can get my hands on and how I can see what's predictive and not mess things up. Because the one thing you don't want to do is mess up your projection system. That's easy have... to do, though. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, I did something. I, I, I was fooling around, and I was changing uh, uh, an, an assumption thing a couple years ago. Uh, this was when Jose Molina uh, was playing for the Rays. And then I ran zips for Jose Molina, and then it had his batting average pre- projected at 1,100. So I thought, oh, God, what did I just do? Seems off. Seems off. Yeah, I think he came under that projection. <laughs> yeah, that was an that was an under. <laughs> so let me ask an in the weeds question um, of you, Dan, specifically related to what you were just talking about of having different versions. Um, so you have, you know, your models that you run and things like that. As you're doing this, like, are you just running the models and then outputting um, your results and then like looking at them that way or like, I don't know. Yeah, some... ideally, I mean, 
you, I mean, you'd love to do all the cross-validation and everything, but that's kind of difficult with Major League Data since we're just working with the one set and there's yeah. you, all you really get is the new data every year. Uh, so it's really about trying to eke out small gains in performance. And I don't, I don't make changes to the, the quote-unquote real zips until I'm sure that I'm at least getting a marginal gain. Because as someone mentioned earlier, we, the, the, hard, the easy stuff is done. We're now just kind of, you know, shaving off the very edges and just trying to improve uh, very slightly based on new data. Because the old data, I mean, it, it's pretty good. Uh, yeah. I know a lot of my focus hasn't been quite on seasonal lines. I've been kind of focusing on other things, improving long-term projections, uh, doing things like I've, I've written a model for future for uh, player decline and how their at-bats change based on various inputs, you know, their age, their position, uh, any pattern in, in, in the reduction of their playing time, uh, because those things kind of get us gains on the edge, but not on the, you know, the bottom line mean projection that everybody sees. That's funny, because that's like where we kind of are. It's like we just, we change the major inputs because we're basically using our own metrics as opposed to doing the analysis for the projections. Like we're, we're eating our own dog food and it's, I'm glad that you're doing this stuff like ahead of us so we can follow and learn <laughs> from your successes and mistakes. Uh, so keep, keep us, keep us aware. <laughs> the first thing that's been a challenge is injuries. Injuries have always been something that have, have dog projections. Uh, I've, I have an injury database and I, Zips actually takes into account injuries on a very general level. Like Zips knows if a pitcher missed a season for Tommy John surgery after he comes back from Tommy John surgery, and there are adjustments there. Zips knows, uh, on a, again, a very general level that a player hurt his wrist or his shoulder. Uh, obviously, there's only so much granularity there because all injuries are different. It doesn't know the severity of, of uh, you know, rotator cuff tear or something like that. Uh, but it's just about, you know, just squeezing out a little bit of, of extra information that is actually has predictive value. It's like, it's like just wringing it through a cheesecloth. Yes. I think it's really cool the way Dan, you know, has the different versions and runs tests and everything because like testing is so important, especially nowadays. Like there's so many cool new tools and I get questions all the time from people like, have you started, you know, incorporating, you know, all the new stack cast stuff into the bat or mm -hmm. like, you know, hitters versus specific pitch types or, you know, spin rate or like whatever it is. And, and like, yeah, this stuff is really cool. And I think it has tons of potential, but like, you can't just throw it in there and hope for the best. Like you have to, you have to actually evaluate it and test it and see, does this have value? Does this improve things? Is this just, you know, noise or what's the right way to do it? And it's like, I think it's so much more complicated than people understand, especially when, um, you know, they're seeing it basically, you know, on, on websites and on Twitter and on broadcasts a little bit now. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Do you see, do you have, do you get any, um, I know how we do it kind of internally at BP, um, but do you guys have any sort of testing framework or is it kind of just like you do it, you, you know, run these kind of, um, you can kind of test the data, look at the data more on an ad hoc basis or, or what do you guys do for that? I'm 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 by the seats. I mean, I'm a one man show uh -huh. with the, with the projections, and I tend to get creativity in spurts uh, and uh, work ethic in spurts. So, so sometimes I'll be working for like a week straight with like barely sleeping on something, and sometimes <laughs> I won't be looking at anything for like like two or three weeks. Especially especially this time of year when I'm finishing up all the 
all the prognostications for for the coming season, and I'm just exhausted, and I don't want to look at projections for a while. Right. Yeah, but, I've uh, been there before. We're doing the you know the, the two weeks straight with very little sleep. You know, stop, stopping to you know go to the bathroom and eat, and that's about it. <laughs> Derek um, makes a great point with the uh, with when he when he when he talks about. Uh, sorry, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> wait, wait, oh, wait. When he talks about the new stats, because I get asked a lot that a lot about things like you know velocity data and stuff, and there is some of that in zips, but uh, separating what's cool from what's predictive is is still you know a lot of hard work and it takes time. Uh, right. That's that's kind of the problem we have is we still have a limited time with 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 this data, uh, and there's always things that you wish that you had for seventy years. You wish you had uh, like some of the uh, the pitch data. Like I'd love to know how a uh, a picture in the '60s, like how his ac- velocity actually was, more than on a general level from like a historian. It's uh, right. I wish we had, you know, pitch FX. Wish had Brooks baseball with a time machine. That would be nice. That'd be so cool. No, that'd be uh, just fine. Sign me up for more work in the past. Yeah, yeah. don't don't go yeah, after Hitler. Find us some velocity data. Uh, that's one of the things is you know we in using those inputs, like it's very appealing, right? For the but mm-hmm. you have to be validated. You have to make sure it works in your framework. Make sure you don't do that. But also, there's something not appealing about it, which is that you have a different – you don't have that for minor league baseball. So right, there's kind, limited of, kind access. of lose the apples to apples of what you're doing. Yeah. So it's a, it adds a, like another layer of error into the MLE process. And the, Yeah, we don't need more errors than we already have. Uh, I, I have some – I have – some things I do, I actually have a model to guess velocity for minor league pictures, and it's not terrible, but obviously it's not the same as actually measuring it. Yeah, that's interesting. That must be fun to look at. Jared, do you have a, a <laughs> testing procedure or anything like that for Steamer, or how do you kind of go about validating changes or um, adding or, or changing inputs? Yeah, I, I can't claim to be quite that organized. I mean, we've got, you know, old chunks of code that does a cross-validation or that tested it two years ago or whatnot uh, that we can pull upon, but we don't really have, like, a set routine of testing. Um, I do think that the testing is super important. as part of what makes it take so long to sort of work this new data in, right? You've got to get park factors for all of it. You've got to, you've got to handle that problem of different kinds of players, you know, minor league players, major league players having different kinds of data or having different kinds of data available for the last couple of years than you had before. Uh, so this becomes like a lot of work and testing to put it in. Um, I do feel like there, there's like a little bit of like the, the fudge, like this makes sense. It looks like it's making a, you know, improving the projections, but I'm not that confident. I'm going to, I'm going to average it in with what we had before. Right. So there is a little bit of, at the end of the day, um, going with what you think is best and, and, and just making sure it's not messing you up. I, I would say it's right. a lot easier to mess up a projection than it is to improve it. Right. <laughs> yeah. That, that makes sense. That makes sense. And that's really, we, we're kind of organized, but we're always talking about, we need to be more organized. And I think one of the things that, that's most interesting to me, and I think this relates to some of the, and because I think it, it ties into better projections, not just testing, and I and it kind of goes to something that you mentioned, Dan, about how if it's a younger player, player I don't look at the last few years. Like recently, we, we we talked about if it's an older player, triple A success means something different than a younger player having triple A success. There's there's things of that nature which 
help your projections and help your kind of how you weight seasons for different for different cohorts. But there's also in terms of how people evaluate, and this isn't just for projections. I think this would be even for for DRC or any other type of like offensive or any metric. That's like certain players. People want people look at certain players. They want to look at the like they want to look at Soto and Acuna. Uh, they want to look at some like some of the you know Vogelbach and Voigt. They want to look at you know guys of, of, over in that corner. They want to see how Trout looks over at the extreme. They want to see how you know all sorts of different you know, archetypes or, or you know clusters of players look at things. And to me, that's where. We're, We'll probably, you know, not only change on our testing, but that I think will probably spurn a lot of what we would want to do in terms of tuning the engine, because it's not just to uh, did that work. I think it also guides what you're going to do next. It's more than just testing. It's it's R and D, right? I mean, it's I think we're constantly testing, and when you're when it doesn't look broken, you then put it in production. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's the that's always the test when it doesn't look broken. A good rule of thumb. Yeah. <laughs> this doesn't look that badly broken if you kind of suck, turn your head and squint. And yeah, okay. I'd echo what, what some people are saying about the the, uh, the weights and, and the elimination of noise and what Harry was saying about having uh, less noisy data now and so being able to weigh the most recent data more than you would before. I think that's sort of the excitement of this new data that we'll be able to pick up on things faster, ultimately weigh uh, more recent data, give more recent data, more, a, a larger portion of the weight than we were uh, and have projections that are keeping up to, keeping up to date with uh, changes in player quality better than they were before. So I sort of see that as like the, the next thing we're headed towards. I mean, it ties in the, the, what we've seen, what was a gradual evolution, which I think has exploded in the last 12 months is the in pitch design where, you know, people, pitchers are changing. And so that when a guy changes his arm slot or adds a new pitch or realizes that a certain sequence is advantageous to him and he, and he starts using it, it's not the same pitcher he, that, that that was. In the, it's like, so the, it may not, it, it's almost like it's not informative anymore three years ago as opposed to less informative. It's, it's almost, it's, it's almost tells you something incorrect about the picture that, and so knowing how performance and, you know, what they're, how they're pitching and what their stuff is, is, is going to be critically important. It, I think it always has been, but I think now with the way pitchers are, can just, you know, go to a new team and are told, you know, you know, like what glass now did after moving. It's like that's, suddenly, that's- like yeah, that's the, yeah, you know, it's like, well, I changed, I got rid of this pitch and use this pitch differently. And it's like, well, okay, <laughs> that's hard enough to model and predict, but we should know, you know, that that's the type of things that we should be tracking and sort of starting to discover. Uh, it behooves us because pitchers are changing quickly. That, that's the kind of thing that I've been working a lot with lately because that, that really seems kind of like the next frontier to me because, like Harry said, you know, they're changing so quickly and, and it's stuff that we can actually measure. So, you know, we probably should be accounting for it. Yeah. Uh, this, was, this was something I had to uh, deal with some years ago when I was first starting to do in-season projections. Uh, for reasons I hypothesize are similar, 
I found that in-season projections were much stickier in-season than I had expected from the year-to-year projections. Uh, and I think that that's some of the residue of, of players changing uh, rapidly in season. Like I know I found things like say batting average balls and play gains for a hitter. We're, we're stickier in season than from season to season. That's really interesting. That is really interesting. Could you like expand on that a little bit? Like, <laughs> Oh, Oh, well, essentially like if you have a set number of play to like, say you have, you know, I'm trying to think of a, a way to kind of distill this, but if you have 500 plate appearances of a player from past years uh, and a change in projection and f- say 500 in season, uh, you actually, the in season is weighted more than you'd think than from year to year projections. I'm trying to think of, the, of a way to explain this, but short term gains are, no, I- are are, are, are stickier it's just it was something i wasn't looking for originally because i was hoping to have an easy way to do it i wanted to just you know continue to weigh the the season more heavily like it was a past season but that it, it didn't really work out that way you had to have a higher weight for in-season performance than you would expect how uh, are you testing that because i mean that that makes sense and that's the kind of thing that especially like from a dfs perspective is super important so like i'm i'm very interested in this oh well this this involved a lot of data mining i have uh, a database of every player's uh playing record at every date in their career uh so i had to go through season by season and essentially it was just a uh it was just you know almost a factor analysis challenge and trying to figure out what in season and how many games uh, a player played and trying to see what what worked and it just came out that you need heavier weights in the season so that it, it, it was one of those things that i didn't expect to find but i did and it's 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 useful information to have and i don't know how much it reflects the idea that players are adjusting in the season i mean just that just makes sense i mean that that supports the hypothesis that players make are making changes this is why i never liked the phrase true talent yeah, that's the. I hate it's it. The, the okay. thing is, you kind of need the phrase, but you hate the phrase. I, a phrase I, to I, fight I, against. I would assume that we don't need it. <laughs> but it's like I, I've never heard a good opera like performance, and it's like It's like it's like when a guy says, "I I'm dropping my four seam and I have throw powder sinker." That's a that's that could be really different. Like oh my, it's like you and you really have to believe. Well, he did change his. You know, and people you see this, they write you know this kind of leaderboard sifting and sorting things that people love to produce and write. Myself, kind of how I got started in this line of work, uh, included. It's like you know this guy's you know his 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 strikeout and walk rates is you know his basic components are looking much better. And when he, since he made this change in his dropping his slider, whatever it was, and you know. Those are real. And it's like that. And the talent of the pitcher, it's like, you know, there, there's just these things where it's like, we have to take those at, at, those aren't just short-term gains. Those are subject to their own noise and error in performance around, but there are definitely a performance around a new, a new center for that player at that point in time. It could be very transient, you know, but there's definitely this, uh, if that pitcher looks different, and his numbers are showing it, and you almost have to go probably even more extreme than what Dan's talking about, you know, kind of in, in an abstract sense where it's like, this guy's, this guy's, I don't care about his performance on these other pitches anymore, maybe, you know, like you just to, to start like refiltering how you understand this pitcher. It's like, well, if he never throws this pitch, 
how how would he have performed? You know, and start modeling really, you know, those types of things. So basically, taking the pitch design constructs and putting them right into your predictions. Yeah, and and the baseline problem is even more difficult than even that sounds because we also are also plagued by the problems is you never actually get to know the right answer. You never actually really get to know if the guy who hit 290 in the season was a 290 hitter in some kind of mystical abstract sense or if he was a 280 hitter that got lucky or a, or a 300 hitter that was unlucky. We we can kind of, you know, see what other stats imply about this but even when we're trying to do this we never have you know exact things to test it against uh because in the set in essence reality is a small sample size in baseball yes i mean your projection could be right and the numbers don't match you know what i mean it's like you can do everything right and you know, all our due diligence with the data and still just be you know get a projection right and for the wrong reasons Get a projection wrong for the right reasons. I mean, there's, there's all, it's just, it's a lot more complicated, um, especially when you get down to like thousands of players, players without big league experience, like that, that, that's just, we're almost crazy to do that. <laughs> especially, so, especially nowadays with the fact that we know the ball is different and pitchers will have to adapt. It's like this is a this this is tricky. Openers, so, God, openers, I. I'm still worried that openers are going to mess up projections somehow. <laughs> yeah. I, did, I was worried about We talked about this on, on an earlier episode, and it, we, it basically, for maybe the Rays and the Angels, everybody else was kind of sane about it, but those two teams, you know, and particularly Tampa, that went, went for it. <laughs> but over the rest of the league, it wasn't so much like the, the, just a huge share of it was them. So, yeah, we'll see. Sergio Romo projects as... <laughs> <laughs> so as we're as we're all sitting here trying to project performance and different things like that, what is it that you and I'm sure that every single person here has had a question from someone uh, that was like they don't really understand or that there's some confusion about how your projection system works or or the inputs or what have you. What is one thing that if you could share with our listeners? To, to clarify something that is a is a misconception or is misunderstood about either the, the projection system that you use or that you you know that you've created or how it should be used or could be used um, maybe we can uh, see what the misconceptions are and hopefully um, do a little bit of service and, and clear that up I mean, one of the most basic things that I get a lot of times is just like, you know, Mookie Betts, you know, was insane last year. Christian Yelich was insane last year. How come the bat thinks they're going to be so much worse this year? And it's like, <laughs> well, I mean, it's regression. Like, it, I mean, it comes down to regression, which, you know, amongst us is like the most basic concept possible. But, you know, the the population at large, especially people who haven't been around projections a lot, like don't understand the concept of regression. And so I find myself kind of explaining that a lot uh, to varying degrees of success. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a difficult one. I always try to explain it kind of in the context of, of the Madden cover curse or the SI cover jinx, that simply when a guy's at, at the top of his game, there are more things that can make him worse than will make him better. There are a lot more things that can happen that will make Mike Trout be a four-win player than make him be, you know, a 14-win player. Oh, that's blasphemy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it, you bite it, your tongue, Dan. What, what what plagues me is 
is trying to communicate to people the nature of the mean projection of you know you're of that middle ground and they always say why do you only pick two guys that hit 300 this year 18 guys did it last year then you had to kind of explain well yeah but that just means that any individual player is not more projected is not more likely to hit 300 than not it doesn't mean that only two will I'm only projecting two to be more likely than not to hit 300, but I'm actually projecting about 19 guys to, on average, to hit 300 because then you have to kind of explain the probability and then they get mad at you. But it's hard to get to people to understand that mean projections are naturally going to have a tighter you know, a tighter band essentially than, than the actual results, because not everybody is going to hit their 50th percent. You know, you expect three teams to hit their, their 90th percentile projection. You expect three teams to fail to make their 10th. Uh, and that, that can be hard to communicate. And sometimes giving people more data doesn't necessarily make them understand that any better. No, uh, it makes so some more confused <laughs> sometimes and more angry and more likely to just be yeah. like, projections are stupid. <laughs> yeah. And so there's always that time you're pulling out your hair and you're just like, like, you know, blame the steamer guys. <laughs> 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 fair, fair. <laughs> You, you, you guys who are uh, bigger public personas get the brunt of this, uh, and I always in, in, enjoy uh, seeing your rebuttals there. I, I really do. You're, you're fighting the good fight. <laughs> Is there anything that, that, that uh, you've come across, Jared, that, that folks um, might need to know about Steamer or um, just projections in general that, that you've come across? You what? I think one uh, thing, and maybe this is sort of going back over what's been said here, uh, is that the big thing we're doing is we're not really uh, forecasting. We're not really predicting the future and that this player is going to get better or that player is going to get worse. Uh, Now I'm going to get in trouble for using this term. (laughs) We're we're trying to uh, figure out their true talent based on what they observe, right? Like what a statistician would say, we've got all the statistics. We want to figure out the parameters. We want to figure out what's generating those stats. Um, I have the the advantage of teaching a sports stats class, which means that I'm trying to explain to this, the kids, like, you know, they have to listen to me and not along, even if they think I'm an idiot. Um, but I always start them on like the first day of that class, like playing stratomatic baseball. And they do funny things like they'll in stratomatic baseball, right? The, the qualities of the players are right there on the card and then they're rolling dice to generate the outcomes. And if some pitcher gives up a string of hits, they'll pull that pitcher and put another one in. Uh, and I always ask them, you know, what, what, what are you doing? Uh, I think people are so used to thinking of, you know, what happened as being how good that player is as opposed to thinking, well, there's some underlying something we don't know, some underlying player card, uh, this, this true talent, which I'll admit easily could change from day to day and with new pitches and, and, and everything like that. Um, but there is some underlying ability, and that's what we're trying to get. That's, that's, that's what Steamer's trying to do, is trying to make the best get, guess at what's on that uh, you know, imaginary stratomatic card for each player. There's such a huge difference between observed stats and projected, you know, quote unquote, true talent level. And I think that's what trips a lot of people up. And I think the stratomatic kind of analogy is a really good one that I'm probably going to steal. Absolutely. All yours. I would use the stratomatic analogy a little differently. That that's the, that's, it, it, it would, well, it doesn't matter. It's like, whatever it is, it's whether it's talent or their, their base performance. Cause 
Because when you, you can have one of the cool things about Stratomatics is you can get the extra cards with the guys who didn't play very much. And it's usually good if you're playing in a game to kind of have playing time limits, you know, because the guy with 430 games. So those cards are good, too, to teach people. It's like, this is not fair to use this card because that is not represent, re- representative of all these other cards with more at-bats. It's like you, you show people like the, the outliers. So it's like at a certain amount, it's like it, there's both the – it's what's on the card and there will be variance around it. But what that variance seems to be centered around is going to change when you have more information about the player. So you know, to me, that's kind of where the, the strat thing comes in. The, the thing for me where we, I find just mostly recently explaining is that projections are individuals performances. And if we present a team projection, there's, you're also including an estimation of playing time. And those are very difficult to make. <laughs> there's a whole separate layer. So that one of the hardest things about what we do, because we do get so much focus on those, those things, uh, is, is clarifying to people that. And I think the other thing that we all generally need to do is show show the range. Like we do show, we do have percentiles, and you know we're actually slow slower sometimes this year we are in actually getting those out completely. Even what even at the team level we need to be showing those. I think there needs to be more. You know how certain are we in a certain projection? Because we may be projecting. Someone may look at a triple uh, A double A player, and they're projected similarly to a player who plays in the major leagues and they look at that and they say, you know, your DRC is only three points apart for these guys. You know, one of them has a proven not, you know, track record and, and so forth. And we could say things like this guy crushed, you know, minor league baseball and all those things. But what we should also be showing is there's a much wider uh, range of outcomes around the other guy. There's much more uncertainty around. So we may have project the same center, but, the amount of uncertainty, you know, and that kind of goes circles back to the, you know, how much information do we have? What's the quality of the information? So even if our, our estimate of that player's performance, that 30 game of, you know, of Danny Heap in March of 1984 or something, uh, you know, it's that batting average was real, but it wasn't real. And when you see, when you have more information about that player, you know that, you know, the range of outcomes. Now, Stratomac doesn't do that for you. It just keep, gives you the same fixed thing, unfortunately. So that's the exploitation. Don't play Strat with me because I'll use all my platoon guys. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it, it's how confident are we? What's the error range? And you know how wh- why why things change when they do because people get confused. Um, we tend to change things more than most people. I think uh, that's probably bad, but that's another reason is where we. If we think something we can make something better, we're going to want to we're going to want to publish it, and probably to the point of fault. Um, so, yeah. You know. I had another question about uh, the minor league player we're projecting in the majors. Yeah. Um, what it's you know it's never been clear to me, and I think this could be different from different systems. Like what we're what exactly we're projecting if we project a major league stat line? Are we projecting their major league stat line conditional? on if they make it to the majors or is this an estimate of how good they are uh because for a player who's not guaranteed to make it to the majors who might need to perform well in the minors in order to make it to the majors this is the problem with the ml majors that year right they're they're probably Uh a bit better than we thought going into the year or at least not worse right Um, i think the problem is i think mostly what we have done in the past has been 
this is it's we assume this is the player would make the man we don't we don't know it's like there's no there's no condition yet. there's no condition to it it's like it, it's this is this is what they would do in the majors but that has to do with the, but you starting it's really how you when you look at MLEs one of the problems is, is who gets who gets promoted and so you, it's like so if, you, if we do a better job of dealing with that bias and who who we're using as our what does a jumper look like what's the penalty for moving up a level the penalty is a lot worse for the guy higher for the guys who don't make the jump so I think we should be able to project them with with you know we should be able to get a better MLE with that type of consideration and therefore be able to project like this you know. It's not conditional. If this guy makes it, he'll hit 120. There's no if he makes it, he's probably hitting better than we thought he would. Therefore, he's going to end up as a 220. Yeah, MLEs have all all kinds of you know hurdles to try to clear and biases to try to account for. ML MLEs are. It, it took me a while to develop the bats MLE system, like and, and just like the the bias of who actually gets promoted and like which which pieces of their data you're looking at and like whatnot, like. You know, if a guy has a, a 400 BABIP, you know, at AAA compared to a guy who has a 200 BABIP at AAA, like the guy with the 400 BABIP is more likely to get promoted because he's performing well. But like, is he actually any different necessarily? You know, he's probably getting pretty lucky. The other guy's probably getting unlucky. And so like, is your translation factor accounting for that? And like MLEs are just, there, there's a lot going on with MLEs. <laughs> yeah, it's not something you sure, can avoid yeah. doing. Uh, one, like when I was developing kind of just to get the general level, the general level of the different levels is I, I, I did, you know, some, uh, a little bit of extrapolation, uh, because if you think of baseball talent as like the extreme right part of the bell curve, uh, generally speaking, the way talent is distributed, I mean, there's a certain number of 300 hitters and, a, and fewer 270 hitters and fewer 240 hitters and fewer Two, well, excuse me, more two ten hitters. I, I get that backwards. Uh, so I kind of tried to estimate how many of these players there should be in the minors, just to kind of get a better feel without having to that whole selection bias issue. To kind of try to get a better, just head, getting the head around it a little more. Right. You know, I think that's a nice way of looking at it. If you if you place the difference between levels too large, you find something that doesn't make sense, which is that there's like a little dip. In the in the you know curve of abilities with a little gap where there there aren't players with this funky ability between leagues as opposed to like a uh, like Dan said that curve where there are fewer and fewer players at, at higher abilities. Right on. Well, I just want to thank you guys for coming on. Um, can you each maybe talk a little bit about where we can find your work and learn more about um, Zips and Steamer and the Bat and Pakoda? Maybe Derek, you know. Tell us where we can find more information about the bat. Yeah, so you can find the the season-long version of the bat at Fangraphs, completely free, available to everybody. Uh, the DFS version is at Roto-Grinders. It goes on sale later this week. You do have to pay for it because it's for you know DFS money-making purposes. Um, that's at Roto-Grinders, and you can find me at Derek Cardi on Twitter, and I'm always happy to answer literally any question you have about projections or anything. You know, I, I respond to everybody, so so hit me up if you need to. Super. Dan? Where can we find stuff on Zips? You can also find me at, at Fangraphs.com. I, I joined them full-time from ESPN uh, last July. 
Uh, so all the zip stuff is there now, except for you know, the occasional piece at ESPN. Uh, you can also find me at D Zimborski on Twitter. That's where people yell at me to find things about, uh, about zips and occasionally ask me why my zips, a particular projection is different than steamers. And I always have to tell them, you know, I know my projection system, but not necessarily Jared's. Uh, but that's, that's where you can find me on, on, on Twitter, getting mad at things and fangraphs.com. Excellent. And Jared, where, where can we find more uh, on steamer? Uh, you can also find steamer on fangraphs. Um, you could tweet me at, at steamer pro on Twitter, but I'm eerily silent and I really just uh, direct people to Dan and Derek. Um, <laughs> Smart. <laughs> There's uh, not a heck of a lot going on on the steamerprojections.com website, uh, but perhaps in the future there will be. So I think Fangraphs is the place to find us uh, for now. All right, super. And Pakoda, you can find uh, at Baseball Prospectus. We released the depth charts and um, the downloadable weighted mean spreadsheet is available for premium subscribers. So you can find that there. We did mean spreadsheet, which nobody even it's like that just we should just call it Pakoda. Pakoda. You can download Pakoda. Download Pakoda. <laughs> there you go. Uh, yeah. But we thank talk you. about branding later on. Yeah. <laughs> Come back next week for our how we brand these things. <laughs> right. the oh no. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you uh, all for, for coming on Stolen Signs and uh, we appreciate your time and thank you for all the work that you're doing um, for your uh, respective systems and uh, contributing that to the ecosystem at large uh, it is a, a valuable uh, thing. So thank you for that and uh, have a good night. Thanks for having me. Thanks a lot. Thank Thanks everybody for checking in with Stolen Signs. Uh, thanks again to Dan, Jared, Derek, Harry. I'll thank myself as <laughs> well. Yourself. Absolutely. I learned a lot. That was, yeah, great conversation. And uh, ML- MLEs are hard. Testing is important, but, but generally disorganized. And hard. And, uh, and projections are compressed. Those are the three things if you skip through everything yeah. that's it if you skip to listen to the the uh, end of the show uh, which yeah. people do all the time i'm sure all um, the time n- now you know that was the that was tldr it. right there for you tldl because you didn't listen oh yeah tldl well, whatever that was uh, fun it was fun. we did that yeah we should i like when we have these uh gathering of the curators yeah so. a little round table action so mm-hmm. Uh, thanks for listening and find us on Twitter at stolen underscore signs, uh, rate review us on iTunes. Uh, if you have any questions, send us an email. Our email inbox has been lonely for a little while. So, um, drop something in there, stolen underscore signs at baseball perspectives.com. And, uh, we will talk to you next time. Goodbye baseball. (laughs) 